Welcome to day number three of a new season of Shaped by the Word. We've entitled uh, this season the drama of Scripture. Uh, last season we studied the New Testament. We went through the New Testament chapter by chapter, reading Gospels and the letters that fit the themes of those Gospels, uh, ending in the book of Revelation. Uh, this year we start in the book of Genesis and go all the way through Revelation. Uh, we're not reading the entirety of, of, of Scripture. We're taking a chapter every day from the narrative passages uh, of Scripture, the passages that carry the storyline of Scripture. And the story of Scripture is a grand narrative that describes who we are, uh, what has gone wrong in our world, and what God is doing to redeem us and our purposes and being a redeemed people in a redeemed world. And it is a wonderful story. The gospel becomes much richer when we understand the bigger story that it is the climax of and uh, also our invitation to be a people of reconciliation in the world takes on bigger, uh, a bigger, more vivid image when we see God's work of reconciliation from the very beginning. So we've ended the first two chapters of Genesis on a high note. God saw everything he made. It was very good. And of course, the last one, uh, you know, the, the men and the women together, they were naked and they were unashamed. There was no uneasiness in their relationship with each other or the relationship with God, but that will change in chapter 3. This is a big turning point early in Scripture that describes why things are the way that they are, why we are the way that we are, and why we need a Savior. So when we read uh, Genesis chapter 3, uh, we come to uh, a sad note in Scripture. And, and, and this chapter uh, will affect the next you know, 11 chapters. Well, actually, it will affect the next 66 books <laughs> you know, that we read. But we'll see a downward spiral of sin, and, and we'll find ourselves saying, yuck, uh, when, you, when we read that. And finally, we get to the place where God sees us and says, every inclination of our heart is only evil all the time. And that's a description of, you know, in, in reform circles, what we call total depravity. The fact that everything that we are and say and do is tainted by our sin, and we really do need a Savior. Mm -hmm. So before we read Genesis chapter 3, um, let's offer ourselves in this moment you know, to the Lord. Uh, Cindy, do you mind leading us in a word of prayer? Father, we thank you for this time in your word. And uh, like Paul has mentioned earlier, Lord, this, this is kind of a yuck time in the storyline. But Father, it is one that we need to look squarely um, in the eyes, Lord. We know that we are fallen people. We know we're broken. We know, Father, that there is no good thing in us apart from um, the goodness that you bring. So, Father, may we approach this knowing that uh, this is not the end of our story, Father, that you have provided for us so beautifully. But we, may we see this in a, a sober light, Father, and, uh, and then praise you for the work that you've done. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will surely die. You will certainly not die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. 
when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. And then the eyes of them both were open, and they realized that they were naked, and so they sewed big leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees in the garden. And the Lord called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Then Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, Cursed you above all the livestock and all wild animals, you will crawl on your belly, and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I'll put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. The woman said, uh, to, for, to the woman, he said, I will make your pain and childbearing very severe and painful labor. I will give, and you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. To Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife and ate from the fruit of the tree, which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you. and You will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground. Since you were taken from it, for dust you are, and to dust you return. Adam named his wife Eve because she would become the mother of all the living. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. And the Lord God said, The man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So the Lord God banished him from the garden to work the ground from which he had been taken. After he drove the man out, he placed him on the east side of the garden of Eden, a cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. Uh, so the story is indeed taking a sour turn. Um, Matt pointed out, uh, you know, yesterday uh, that every tree in the garden was pleasing and was good, you know, for food. And, of course, Eve is seeing this one forbidden one, and it, to her, seems to be even more enticing uh, than any, any of the others. And, and so you have a picture of you know, the, our initial fall, uh, you know, from grace, but you also have a picture of every one of us in our sin. Uh, we, we make that decision rather to trust God uh, for what is good and best for us or uh, to assert our own autonomy and reserve the right to choose for ourselves what is good and best for us. Uh, serpent uh, says you will be like God. You know, not really. Uh, you will usurp the prerogative of God. And in serving property of God, you'll lose fellowship with him. Mm-hmm. Isn't that the great irony in the text? They were already like God. You know, they were created in his image and likeness. Mm-hmm. And yet the serpent comes and then deceiving you know, Adam and Eve, he says, oh yeah, God knows that you know, if you do this, you'll be like him. And even that, that desire, when they see you know, it was good for food and pleasing to the eye and desirable for gaining wisdom. I mean, you almost get the, the sense of irony just there that 
it's desirable for what appears to be wisdom, and yet it's it's unwisdom. You know, it's no, there is no wisdom in eating the fruit. You will actually lose it all. Mm-hmm. And, and that'll be, you know, that'll be a contrast that you'll find in the rest of Scripture, you know, the contrast between worldly wisdom, our, our efforts, uh, you know, to uh, enhance our own life and, uh, you know, to cobble together, you know, a life that is pleasing to us uh, mm-hmm. versus godly wisdom. Uh, which is living a life that is pleasing to God, which in the end is ultimately far more pleasing to us as we find our place in Him under His love and under His care. This just reminds me that this is how sin, you know, seems to always start in our hearts where we begin to doubt God's goodness, where we don't trust Him anymore, and where we kind of launch out and, you know, really trust ourselves mm-hmm. to be our own Savior or to, you know, arrive at the things that we think we need for sure. No, there, there's no doubt. Every sin starts here. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in order, you know, in order to sin, we have to, uh, you know, dethrone God and enthrone ourselves, right. and reserve for ourselves the prerogatives that belong to God. Mm-hmm. You know, to guide us into wisdom, to guide us into what is good and right for us, to provide for us. You know, in His time and His way. And a lot of it is when we get impatient with God's timing and God's provision, and we hear the same echo. Mm-hmm. You know that uh, Eve heard. He's holding out on you. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you really, uh, you know, God said you're going to die. <laughs> you're not going to die. You're not going to really live mm-hmm. in- until you, uh, you know, you break His bond and, and you follow your own path. Mm-hmm. And what a story! I think we can all resonate with. You know, I used to think probably younger in my kind of following Christ, like, oh, I, I probably wouldn't have messed up like Adam and Eve. Like, how, how silly of them, right? But then, no. I have, I and, of course, those of us around the table who know yeah, everyone just knows, eyes. Well, how ridiculous yeah, like, is that? You said yeah. that? <laughs> but he's like, oh, would you have? But, man, what a story I resonate with now that my heart so often does go over those things that are mm-hmm. pleasing to the eye or the things I desire outside of of God. And yet, as I've seen the narrative so far, what what a great place Adam and Eve were in, right? Living with their God in his blessing, enjoying all that he had provided. And, 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 we, and then yet I, like them, have, have rejected that after something so much, so much less. No. Um, it's something that just really resonates with me. You know, John kind of captures the moment perfectly and applies it to us uh, when he tells us, do not love the world or anything in the world. For anyone who loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. They're mutually exclusive for everything in the world. Uh, the lust of the eyes and the lust of flesh and the boastful pride of the things that we've accomplished. Those come not in it from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires are passing away, but mm-hmm. he who does the will of God lives forever. Mm-hmm. And uh, you, you, you see, you know, you see all of this, and it, you know, it, it looks good. It, it, it'll enhance, you know, my standing, and uh, it, it's pleasing. Mm-hmm. And those are the things that we, you know. Those are the things that we, you know, the things that we pursue. Yeah, and you mentioned it even yesterday, Paul. But how we kind of end chapter two with that idea of they felt no shame, and then mm-hmm. right here we see them going and and now hiding mm-hmm. or yeah. trying to hide, which obviously they can't do. Um, but now they've gone just that complete reversal in relationship they uh, had with God. And, and this this pretty much describes us, you know, sinful humanity is, mm-hmm. you know, we, 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 we have this outer image and, and of course the whole, 
social media world has kind of enhanced that where we can, you know, give you this ideal life. Look at me and all the great things that I'm doing and all the fun food that I'm eating and what a together person, you know, I kind of am. And, and that's, you know, kind of a way of hiding and covering. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the real thought is if people could get behind that and see me for who I really am, they, they wouldn't be as impressed as, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I would want them to be. So they, they not only hide, but they try to cover. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, there's a the beautiful wordplay there, you know, as they cover themselves by sewing together big leaves, very mm-hmm. fragile covering, which all of our coverings are. Mm-hmm. God gives them fragile. a more substantial uh, covering through animal skins. And, of course, this uh, required, uh, you know, the shedding of blood in, in order to do it. And, and that word covering is preserved in later Hebrew tr- you know, tradition. Uh, you know, the Day of Atonement is in Hebrew Yom Kippur, which is the day of our covering, uh, covered by mm-hmm. uh, what is portrayed, uh, you know, in the sacrifice of Christ. I think what stands out to me or what resonates um, with me in this chapter, too, is just the ways that we deal with sin. Um, we blame, you know, or we yeah, we defer. I mean, so whether it was the serpent that made you do it or your spouse that made you do it or even God holding out on me, he's responsible, you know. Yeah. And, and so what are, what are you hearing here? Um, we are a product of our environment. It's not really our fault. Yeah, it's never our fault. God, if you had never put a woman here, God, if you had never put a serpent here, yeah. uh, you know, we're a product of our, our, our environment. Mm-hmm. And, and so you do hear the blaming, you're excusing, mm-hmm. and the minimizing right. uh, you know, of sin, which is a practice uh, of all of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I find it fascinating the centrality of God's mm-hmm. Word. It, really, through these first three chapters, we've seen God speak in and when he speak, speaks, he also acts. But the variety of ways we've seen God, you know, he speaks creation into existence, and it is. He blesses. We'll see, here we see, we see cursing. We see a promise. Mm-hmm. But we also see in verse 9 a, a, a pursuit where mm-hmm. Adam and Eve hide themselves from, from God's presence, and he calls mm-hmm. out to them. And even the very thing that the Satan does, he says, did God really say? And he questions the, the words of God and, and the authority of God, the goodness of God, but but just I think for us, I mean, how how important it is to to not only just hear God's word, but to respond appropriately mm-hmm. to God's word and, and to hear the promises, the blessings, the curses, um, and, and to consider all those things. I, I just love. I mean, we've seen so many different ways that God's mm-hmm. God speaks and He acts um, just in these first three chapters, and, and to watch how we respond to that as well. It's just pretty fascinating to me. And, and we have to you know, pick up another significant piece of, you know, the story mm-hmm. uh, whenever, you know, God responds in judgment, you know, to the woman, uh, I mean, to the, you know, to the serpent. He says, you know, curse to you above all livestock and all uh, the wild animals that will crawl on your belly and you'll eat the dust all the days of your life. And I'll put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed in, in hers, or your offspring in hers, he will crush your head. In other words, there is one coming from uh, the line of the woman who will deal a fatal blow uh, to the enemy of our souls, mm-hmm. but it will not come without a wound. Mm-hmm. And you uh, will strike his heel. Mm-hmm. And so we have a wounded Savior who uh, suffers a final blow who is from the seed of woman. And, of course, we have, uh, we have uh, Paul saying in the fullness of time he was born of woman. And he's 
uh, bringing him back, not just to the virgin birth, but he is bringing him back to the very seed of the woman as uh, the promised uh, Savior. Uh, so everything we, we, we need to know theologically comes from it's really early true. from these three, yeah. these three <laughs> chapters. And we've, we've not done it service. Uh, we could have, you know, we could take these verse by verse and day by day, mm-hmm. you know, for a long time. But some of the major themes, you know, of the story that we're talking about are established here and we'll keep coming back uh, to those through the rest of our, our study. Mm-hmm. Uh, David, why don't you close us with a word of prayer? Yeah, let's pray. Father, we, uh, we look to Genesis 3 and we see um, so much of ourselves and of so much of what went wrong. And how can we not resonate with the pains of labor and, and the pains of toiling here on earth, um, the curse that we experience as men and women, and yet in that we, we find hope. Um, we find uh, the promise of the day when from the seed of woman will come someone who, who will crush the head of our enemy. And so, Father, thank you for the, the covering you, you've given us in Christ um, as we toil through our days. We thank you for the great hope that he's given us. May we look to him, um, be renewed and refreshed in, in Christ. And so, Father, thank you that even when we rejected you, you came after us in, in the person of Jesus. Um, help us to behold him today. We pray this all in his name. Amen.